what do you give God on Valentine's Day? Uh, he literally is the person who has everything. So what in the world could he want from us? Well, it's interesting because he actually says in Scripture what he wants from us, and that is our worship. And that's what we've come to do today, and that's why I'm talking to start. Because one of the things that we can give to God is our worship. And as we said on the front of the bulletin, that's what we want to give him today is our valentine to him. And that's our worship. Um, the, the wonderful thing with God is that as you give things to God, he blesses you back. And what I want to help you see today is his design is that as we come to him and give him our worship, we don't walk away as just who've given away something. He gives us something back. And that's what we want to do today. We have been talking about building a solid life and how we want to grow in 2016, each of us individually, to have that kind of life that is solid, that has roots, that can handle the struggles of life and problems and crises and bad news from a doctor or loss of job or whatever it might be. That we can have a life to handle that. And we've started to work through those discipleship pieces on the right. That, that help us build that kind of life. That D5 is designed, that's how you get a tree like that, so you can handle life like that. And I'm trying to lay out that progression for all of that. One of the first pieces we talked about was Neil. That roots kind of thing, putting down roots with our relationship with God. And we talked about prayer for two weeks and how important prayer is for our relationship with God and then we talked about the Word, the Bible, and, and getting into that Word, and how that is a part of those roots. But there's one more piece of those roots, and that's what we want to talk about today, and that's worship. Worship is a third piece of what we call kneel, that putting down our roots with God. Because that's part of how this relationship with God grows and develops as we come to Him in worship. Now, today we're going to actually look at somebody because we have a record for us in the Bible of somebody's worship. And how that worship occurred, what it did to him, how he worshiped God, and in that whole experience of his worship, we want to learn about our worship. And so we're going to use his worship as an outline for our service today. And we're going to follow his worship just as he experienced worship with God. We're going to try and experience that worship today. It was for him a life-changing worship time. It's recorded for us over in Isaiah 6 if you want to read that. And I'm actually going to come up here three times and break the sermon into pieces. And we're going to read the three pieces of his worship service that he had with God. And see what he did what God did, and how it changed his life forever. The person we're talking about is the prophet Isaiah. And he encountered God, he encountered the worship of heaven, and it changed him forever. Right now I want to read the first four verses. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, 
With two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. In those first four verses, all we see is what Isaiah saw. He came into heaven. He came into God's presence and saw God and saw the worship that was being given to God around him. And Isaiah couldn't resist joining in. The beginning of worship is to see God because if we see God as he really is, worship is an automatic response because of who God is. But what we need to see today as we begin is that the focus of worship is God. It's about Him. It's our gift to Him. And that's something we have to be reminded of because we live in an entertainment culture. 24-7. It's all around us. And the design of this room is designed to reinforce that. And in an entertainment culture, the show happens up here. And the spectators are out there. And it's easy to fall into that rut and think that's what worship is. And we've all been guilty of it. And we sit out there and we participate when we want. And we sit back and we critique when we want. How good a job they're doing up front for my tastes for the entertainment. But that's not what happened to Isaiah. And that's not what worship is. This whole room is the stage. And every one of us is an actor in this event that's given for the audience of God. We're coming to bring him our worship. All of us. We're coming into his presence. The people up here, they're the coaches. They're the directors. For all of us, as we give God our worship. And that worship, just like Isaiah saw it, it's already happening. We're not starting the service. We're just coming in late and joining it. Because worship is happening in heaven all the time. We get to walk in and join that worship. And that's what we're going to do now. We're going to move into some singing and scripture and prayer. Bringing our worship to God as our Valentine gift to him today. Of how we care about him. And we want to give him our worship. So I suspect they're going to want you to stand up as we give God our worship. Worship as we focus on God and lift our hearts to Him is a wonderful time. And as our vision of Him just gets bigger and bigger and fills our vision. I don't know if you've ever been privileged to be a part of a huge group worshiping, but it's a, a great time. But imagine if you sort of look around and notice that, oh, I wore my old dirty clothes. I'm not dressed right here. You might be a little uncomfortable, maybe not. That's not as important anymore. But Isaiah had that experience. He was worshiping, and suddenly he noticed something and says, I don't belong here. Whoa, I, I, I shouldn't be here. If you turn back to Isaiah 6, I want to read the next three verses. Notice nobody tells Isaiah this. He's worshiping, he's focusing on God, and he notices something. 
Woe to me, I cried out. I'm ruined. I'm undone. I'm in deep trouble. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Now stop there for just a second and hold your finger. We're going to go back and read some more. Isaiah looked around and saw heaven and God in all of his perfection and glory and all the angelic beings, and he realized, I don't belong here. I'm a sinner. And it's not just me that's a sinner. I'm just part of a long line of sinners. Everybody I know is a sinner. There's nobody I can point to that says they qualify me to be here. We're all sinners. I don't belong here. And his, his I am ruined, the concept is somebody's going to notice and I'm going to fry. I mean, God is just going to send lightning and I'm toast. I don't belong here. And in a sense, at some point, and some of us see this more clearly than others, aren't we all there? The truth is, as we come into God's presence, none of us, the best person in this room, can't present a ticket to God and says, I earn my way into your presence. I'm so good, you're lucky to have me, God. That's none of us. Not one of us. We're all like Isaiah. But here is just more of why we worship God. Keep reading. Then, so Isaiah has reached this conclusion. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. Now notice who does this. It's not Isaiah. It is God who sends that seraphim flying to the altar to take a coal from there and to touch Isaiah's lips. It is God who forgives Isaiah's sin so that he can be in God's presence, so that he can give God his worship, so he doesn't get destroyed by lightning because he's a sinner in God's presence. God says, no, I do want you here. I know you're a sinner. But I want you here and I will send this seraphim. I will take away your sins. Isn't that where we are today? I love the fact we're in a tradition that has communion every Sunday. Because I believe every Sunday we each need that reminder that I am a sinner. I'm not worthy to be in God's presence. But my God loves me so much, He has done what was needed to take away my sins so I can be in His presence. And that's exactly what Christ did on the cross. And that's what we remember in communion. His broken body, His shed blood, for me, for you. So that that same conclusion of our life, that same verdict of our life as Isaiah's is true. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. Jesus died on the cross for you. And that's part of worship. Coming despite our sin into God's presence. 
Because God has atoned for our sin and taken it away. We go into our time of communion just as much as Isaiah to remember and say thank you for what God has done to take away our sins. Well, we might say, well, that's pretty good. Let's go. And maybe Isaiah was thinking that, but God wasn't done. And Isaiah's worship wasn't over. There's two more verses I want us to read there, and then his time in heaven is over and his worship is over. Isaiah 5, 8 and 9. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. And God said, go and tell this people. And he gives Isaiah his message. God has one more blessing for us in worship. We have blessed him by giving him our praise, our adoration, our love, our loyalty. And he has blessed us back. By saying, I know you're a sinner and I know you're unworthy and you don't deserve to be here, but I will forgive you. I will purify you. I will take away your sin. But God has one more blessing for us. And that is that he speaks to us. Just like he spoke to Isaiah. Here's the deal. If we come into God's presence and we focus on him and we worship him and we praise him, do you honestly think he's not going to say something back? He's not a discourteous God. He's not a stone statue that's going to sit there and just stare straight ahead while we talk to him and worship him. He is a living, personal, relational being who loves us. And as we come into his presence and we speak to him, he is going to speak back. Now, if that's a new concept to you, I realize you may be sitting there and saying, this sounds really weird, and you're making me a little uncomfortable, Jim. And I want to just encourage you that it's not weird, and you don't need to be uncomfortable. But as you come to God and spend time in worship with him, He will in some way communicate with you. He will speak a word to you. It's not the same for all of us. Because we're different people and we have different needs. And he wants to use us in different ways. But somehow he will speak to each one of us. It may be in the wonderful sermon. And maybe not. And it may be in the really lousy sermon. And maybe not. It may be in a song. It may be in a prayer or a communion meditation. Or a scripture reading. And it could be in the background of some slide that you see. It could be in somebody you just notice across the room and they're here today. All kinds of ways God speaks to us. 
to just be open to that. Something he impresses upon your mind as you're singing or pause or pray or in the silence. God speaks in all kinds of ways to us if we'll listen. And if we'll come to worship with that concept that I am here to come into God's presence. And as I come into his presence, I want to listen if he has something to say to me. And what he says, it will be different for all of us. For some, it's going to be a word of encouragement because he knows that's what we need. And in some way, he will reach out and wrap his arms around us and encourage us. For some, it's going to be a word of teaching. I didn't know that. That's how the Christian life works. That's how God is. Some other way. It may be an explanation that we need and God knows we need to understand that. It could be that he asks us to do something. It's not by accident we started putting at the bottom of the connections card, my takeaway. Because sometimes God asks us, as we're worshiping him, just like he did for Isaiah. I got something that needs done, who will do it for me? I love Isaiah, he's like the third grader. Teacher, I will. I'll go. Maybe for you today, God impresses upon you something he needs your help with. He needs you to do. Maybe with one person, or maybe something in the church, or who knows what. It's as big as God. And yes, sometimes God speaks a word of correction. Because we need it, and because he loves us. And something happens, something said, we see somebody, whatever, and we realize, yeah, you're trying to tell me something, aren't you, God? I got an attitude that needs to change, or I need to do this differently, or I need to go talk to this person, or whatever it might be, that word of correction. Because God loves us and wants to help us. And so he speaks to us. Sometimes not what we expect, but he speaks if we'll listen. But there's one more part of that. Not only does he speak, we're then left with a decision. What are we going to do about it? Notice what God says in Isaiah's presence. He doesn't say, Isaiah, will you go? What does God say? Who will go for us? I love he uses the plural there. Trinity, the three God, Father, Son, Spirit. Who will go for us? Isaiah has a decision. Will he step forward? He does. He says, I'll go. Isaiah, and God says, thanks. Go do it. Here's what you tell him. We have that decision every Sunday. Every time we come into God's presence. He speaks to us. And whatever that might be, we then have to decide, will we take it in? Will we listen? Will we obey? Will we go? Will we do? Will we change? Will we start? Will we stop? Will we hear his word to us? And will he find us willing to cooperate and follow him? 
You see, that's why I added worship to kneel. Because as we come to God, it's more than just praying. It's more than just reading the Bible. And not just on Sunday morning, but each time as you pause to talk with God, put some worship in there. I, 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 I'm, you're like me. We come to God with our list of things we need. And because we really need them, we just sort of jump to that list right away. And that list can be really long. I would encourage you to hold that list off for just a bit and start with worship. It reminds us of who we are and who God is. It reminds us of how much he loves us. It puts life in perspective. And it puts us in perspective because he has died for us that we can be forgiven and our sins taken away. And it will change you. It will change your week. It'll put down roots. Because you know the living God. And you know you can come into his presence. And you can praise him. And you can be impressed again with how great he is. And how awesome he is. How perfect he is. How glorious he is. And you're going to go away changed. Just like Isaiah did. And we come here on Sunday morning to do that every week. Because we need it. It isn't a once for all. We're too weak. Our world's too messed up. We need to come back every week for worship. To put life in perspective and to remind ourselves of how much God loves us. And to hear again from him a word that we can then decide. Will we go? Will we go? Will we say yes? And I can guarantee you two things. I can guarantee you first, Isaiah was never the same. Now, it doesn't say that, but I have absolutely no doubt in my mind. After what happened in Isaiah 6 happened to him, he was never the same. And I will guarantee the same for you. If you come into God's presence... You're not a spectator in a crowd watching a show. You are part of all of us coming to God to give him our worship. He will change you forever. And worship will never be the same. I hear people talk about worship and church. and It's so boring, but i got to go. And I, Man, I want to get there at the last minute and get out as quick as I can. At least I've checked my box. Nobody sang, nobody talked, nobody did anything. And I just want to say, that's not worship. You missed it. No wonder I would hate it too. But that's not what worship is. And that's not what changes our lives. But coming into God's presence and giving him our glory and praise and listening to him that will change our lives forever. Let's pray and then we're going to worship some more. Father, thank you for worship. And thank you for recording Isaiah's worship experience. Because it's so helpful for us 
to see what worship really is and what you want and what you do to us when we come to you. I pray that we will understand how important worship is to our own spiritual lives, putting down roots, and I pray every Sunday you will find in Andover Christian Church a room full of people worshiping you, lifting you up, hearing your word, and going out committed to doing what you've asked us to do. In your son's name, amen.